So welcome to the Friday morning coffee talk. So as you can see, I'm not with Henrike von Platzen this time. Instead, I'm with Dr. Karen Hotzblatt, um, a pioneer in the field of uh, human computer interaction, um, an early made huge contributions to the field and as an early person, early female person in the field, shifted her attention on how do we retain women in the field of tech. Um, she's the founder of Women in Tech Retention Project and the author of the recent book Retaining Women in Tech Shifting the Paradigm. So happy to have you on this video cast of ours. Great to be here. <laughs> Welcome. So maybe we can just start by you telling me a little bit about how this book came about. Well, I mean, I started working in the field, you know, whatever, 35, 40 years ago, and it was pretty much all men. Okay. And so a lot of us who were early in the field knew we were kind of breaking barriers and what have you. And you kind of have to know how to get along with all those chromogeny guys from those many years ago. Um, but in the last 15-ish years, young people in my field, particularly women, were coming to me and saying, Karen, how do you do this? How do you walk in a room alone? You know, they would cry. They would tell me their stories. And I would go, wait a minute, didn't we do this 35 years ago? Why is this happening? So I started to look into what was happening. And I knew that we spent enormous money to a credit to the companies, enormous time in our field trying to fill the pipeline to get women in the door and come to find out that nearly 50% of women leave the tech field you know, 50% more often than men in early career in the first eight to 10 years. And so I'm like, well, you know, it's like the old quality story. What's the point of filling the bucket if there's a hole in the bucket and everybody goes, you know, we're not going to have women leaders. We're not going to have enough women because they won't have the experience. They'll be gone. Yep. And so there's a critical time that's early on. I would again say that the very first years the first five-ish years, but even up until eight or 10, till they learn how to manage everything. And so we started to ask the question, well, what if we ask a different question? What do we need to do to retain women in tech? And so that's when I started the Women in Tech Retention Project. And of course, using the contextual design, contextual and create techniques, we went and talked with women about their lives, qualitative interviews, and over the course of um, you know, a number of projects over the last year, we came to be able to identify the dimensions of life at work in tech that help women thrive, that women really need. And interestingly, these are similar, nearly similar dimensions to what men or probably anybody needs. It's just women don't get it. Women don't get these experiences because of bias, because of stereotypings, because of just being the lone woman. And so once we saw that, we were able to then ask the question, how's it related to retention? So when we did a survey to ask questions about the factors in the at-work experience framework, we found that if you were low, on the six dimensions, 
you were more likely to say you were thinking of leaving your job. Can so you, we know. Because I know our listeners don't know the six dimensions. Can you men- mention them quickly? Sure. Let's for us? talk about Now, look, this is the real quick. There's lots of videos out there. And of course, there's the book. Okay? <laughs> yep. Okay. So the first and probably one of the most important is women thrive when they're on a dynamic valuing team. What does that mean? The team has cohesion. It, they have exciting talks. They feel valued. Their opinion is asked. They lead. They follow. There's this sense of being up to something together. Mm-hmm. So that's the first factor. And if we take a look at all of the questions on the survey that were related to the dynamic valuing team, or even in all of them, any team factors, you're more likely to see a low score on thinking of leaving your job. Mm-hmm. The second factor is stimulating work. Too often we have ideas that women need different work than men. Oh, I don't know what, socially relevant work. So we asked, you know, we heard about this and that is not what's going on at all. Women want highly, very technical work, just like men. They want things that impact the company, the field. They want to be doing things that are, you know, kind of bleeding edge or the kind of most important research, whatever, depending on your on your job type. So stimulating work doesn't have to be socially relevant. Same stuff in men, but women don't always do it, don't always get it because, well, if you look at the literature, uh, tech is considered to be male. And so by definition, um, women are seen as being less skilled because they're not men. Mm -hmm. It's stupid when you say it out loud, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. All right, third factor is what we call the push and support. So this is a little bit different, although male new hires tell me they need the same thing as well. So the push and support says that women may be hesitant to take promotion. They may doubt their skill set. They may say, oh, I don't have all 10 of these requirements. I have three. And then they tell us, oh, but the men, they'll just apply even if they don't have them all. Okay. And so what happens is that women have this undercurrent where they're worried, well, well, I look arrogant, you know, am I good enough? Stuff like this. So women need what we call the push. Mm -hmm. In other words, offer them the challenge. Say, I think you really should go for this promotion or this really hard task. Because if you ask them, it's a statement of value. Mm -hmm. But if you just throw them into the ring with no support, what does support mean? Somebody to talk to, somebody to work with, the ability to fail. Mm then they they will fail and we've seen people fail. So it's these two things coupled together, the push and support, mm-hmm. okay? Next, local role models. Not big CEOs to trot out like Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court, right? They're people a little more experienced than them, their manager, or if they're a manager, the next guy up. And women look at, one, what is their life? Do they like the life of that person? Because that affects whether they want to be promoted. But two, are those local role models committed to growing them as a professional? Are they are they coaching? Are they partnering, et cetera? Mm-hmm. All of us can be local role models because we can be a local role model to anyone we have a little more experience, right? Yep. All right. Now, all of these factors are dimensions of the workplace. So we can take a look at what's happening inside of how everyday life. The next factor is the only factor that does not predict um, um, 
retention. And that is, but we couldn't leave it out, what we call non-judgmental flexibility. This is effectively your homework balance factor. And the reason it doesn't correlate is because if we look across all of the, what we call hero industries, you know, doctors, lawyers, eye bankers, business people, right? Who work too much, who are nuts, right? Okay, they all, and every country, everyone has the same kind of horrible homework, you know, balance situation, too much travel, not enough support for kids. Okay, maybe some support when they're babies, but hello, those kids, they don't need no support for all the next year. So what happens is that's not a definition that is unique to tech, yeah? But what we find is it comes back down to the team. If the team is flexible, then women feel valued and supported. So if everyone flexes around each other's home commitments, then it works for the women, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, if the manager above you doesn't look like they have a home life and you want one, then you don't want a promotion. So you gotta think about that. Yeah. All right, last piece is what we call personal power. This is the aspect of the person themselves. The person needs to grow their confidence as a professional. So when the young person is in work situations that grow their personal power, where they take a challenge and they succeed, where everyone around them tell them they're doing a good job, where they give them some leeway, their personal power grows and their capacity as a professional. So those are the six dimensions and all but non-judgmental flexibility predict, um, correlate highly with thinking of leaving the job. So those are the things women need to thrive. And so you look at the other side, What? why are they leaving? They're not getting those things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I know like the second half of your book is really focused on interventions and what organizations can actually do to achieve all of these factors, right? So maybe, I know we're a little bit over time, but I am enjoying this too much to cut it short. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about or take an example of an intervention that you think organizations should, you know, where should organizations start, basically? Well, one of the things I want to emphasize is all our interventions are based on qualitative and quantitative data, and the solutions are iterated and honed with real teams. So you should go check them all out. But if I had to pick one, I would say that the team onboarding checklist is probably the most impactful thing a company can do right now. We found when we studied new hires that corporate onboarding, yes, that works pretty well. But getting somebody successfully into the team, no. There's very little planning. Managers don't really know what to do. We found, you know, 50% of women told us in the survey they don't know what to do to be successful. So if we want to address this, the way we addressed it was by understanding what new hires needed to, to thrive. And the result is we found four critical timeframes before the day they start, the first days, the first weeks, and then launch. And for each of these, there are eight, if you would, there's four sets of things to get them connected, behaviors that the manager, the team, their network um, uh, have to do. And also there's the dimension of success. What information and tools do they need? Understanding team culture, understanding their role and what they need to do. So there's a set of factors and we defined the behaviors that are necessary at each point. 
These behaviors now address the issues of connection, the issues of team, the issues of support, the issues of um, uh, you know knowing what to do to succeed and how to navigate the corporation and as a professional. So we tested these with real managers. And I think if, if you had one place to start, start, download it, it's free, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I love talking to you. I know we could go on for forever, but uh, we are way over our normal eight minutes. So uh, maybe we'll have you on again. Thank you so All much, right. Karen. Well, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> All right. Bye.